Well, good to see you this morning. Would you stand and worship with us this morning? What seems foolishness to this broken world is this hope we found. We found Christ as the Son of God on a cross bloodstained came and gave his life, his life. God 
Thank you so much for your grace. How glorious are you, God? How magnificent are you and your grace, Lord? It's so amazing that we're found faultless in you. We thank you for that this morning. Amen. Welcome to Southwoods Christian Church, where everyone, not just here, but all around the world, is found faultless in the grace of our God. And we're just going to praise Him for that this morning. I have a few announcements I want to uh, make sure I hit and uh, point out the different ways that you can give here um, and honor God with uh, what He's given us. But the announcements are we have another second Sunday today, this Sunday. It is Nacho Normal Sunday because we have nachos after service. And I just was really, I was really encouraged. And I really loved how at the last Sunday, um, you know, for when we had pie, you missed that. Sorry, but now you're here today. Um, and if you're listening online, you're like, man, I went in on this. Come on, there's lots of room. Uh, but we're so glad you're listening as well. But that being said, you can maybe come after service. You're like, I want some nachos. We're gonna be in the lobby and just having great conversation, having fellowship and enjoying some food together. And then the last announcement is we have our fall kickoff and it's, you know, summer, it's gone, it's flown by, but it is September 11th of 9-11. Um, and so mark that on your calendars. Make sure you are here because it is gonna be awesome. It is gonna be awesome. So let's continue uh, to worship our God of grace this morning, amen. Declare the battle won. Declare that. 
confidence we have when we sing about that. Would you turn and greet one another this morning? God. 
Cody's or not Cody, sorry, Greg's gonna talk, he's probably talk about this a little bit. The the men's camping trip we, we went on, and I just think of how big and magnificent our God is, right? The Creator of the universe, and you really see it in the mountains. You're like, man, this is just so beautiful. And this next song talks about how he knows every single hair on your head, like you personally. And he made you so unique and individual. And I just think that is so amazing that the God of the universe would care about like me personally, not just like oh people in general, like all of, no, it is you. Fill in your name. So this next song that we're gonna sing is about all the things that Christ did. Communion. It's our time to, to reflect on his body and his blood. And that's the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, he did a lot. <laughs> but he did it for you personally. He did it with you on his mind. So I just pray that you would hold on to that individual relationship that he specifically wants with you as we sing this next song. And then we and then you can take communion together, okay?
in red of the heavenly home on high. You're preparing a place where the sorrows erased. And when I stand before you, I'll find all along.
Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning, and whether you're here on site or if you're online, we're thrilled that you're here. I want to begin by asking you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you really just wanted to hear a word from God? Maybe you were looking for a word of advice, a word of direction. Maybe you need a word of encouragement, a word of hope, or something of that sort. You know, every one of us goes through life, and I think there are there are times when we all need a word from God. I think God structures life that way on purpose because it kind of calls us to reality that life is beyond me, beyond us. And one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history, Elijah, um, Lori and I had the opportunity here a few weeks ago of sitting under the teaching of R.T. Kendall, uh, who spent a whole week talking about Elijah and Elisha and uh, some of that will probably leak into things that, uh, that we do in the coming weeks because wonderful, wonderful teach. Just they're wonderful men of God, Elijah and Elisha. If you've not read about them, go back in the Old Testament, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, read about them. But Elijah was one of those prophets. He, he once needed an encouraging word from the Lord desperately. So he traveled on foot from northern Israel, <clears throat> south through the desert, all the way to Mount Sinai. Long ways, if you've ever been to Israel, it's a long way south of Israel even, which it's around three or four hundred miles, actually, that he traveled on foot. And amazingly, when he arrived at Sinai, God spoke to him. The Bible records the incident, probably because Elijah sat down and, and journaled it. Uh, as the scriptures paint this picture, 1 Kings 19, verses 9 and following, says, The Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Which is always an interesting way to begin. You know, it's kind of like God's surprise that here he is. What are you doing here? And Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Which if you know, let's pause right there. If you know the story, you know that he wasn't the only one left. And I mean, he was, he was in a state of deep, dark depression, excessive misery. I mean, this is where he was. He was, just, he was just a mess here at this point. And you and I would have been as bad or worse if we'd have been in his shoes. So, you know, give him credit for that. I mean, he, he made it here. But God, God listened to that, doesn't bother to correct his data at that point. He just goes on, verse 11, continues and says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, the text tells us. And after the fire, notice what it says, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Now, <clears throat> the story goes on, but I want to ask, and what you think with me, why, why am I sharing this story with you? Most of the time when God speaks, we're inclined to think that he speaks through tornadoes, earthquakes, fires, and floods, grand drama. But I want you to see, in this text, most of the time, that's not God speaking. It's not that he's incapable of speaking in those ways. 
He can shout if he wants to. Scripture paints the picture of him thundering in the heavens, and he does that. So, but, so don't get me wrong. But most of the time, when God speaks, he doesn't shout. He whispers. Most of the time, he whispers. Because though he's great, he's gentle. Though he's majestic, he's humble. Though he's all-powerful, he's tender-hearted. And he knows that you and I are but dust. And so he whispers. He whispers. So if you sincerely want to hear a word from God, here's what God himself instructs us as his faith-filled followers to do. He tells us in Psalm 46.10 how to hear him. He just says this, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. You see, God wants you and me to quiet ourselves so we can know and be reminded who's in control and who's not in control. And stillness offers you and me the perfect setting to express our hopes and our needs and our longings and our prayers to our living and loving God. And stillness is the perfect setting to receive from Him clear guidance, comfort, encouragement. It's the perfect context to hear a word from the Lord. Stillness has always been the key to good communication with God. I was reminded of that uh, this past uh, week, not this past week, I guess really it was the weekend uh, before, the week before really, because last Sunday we were driving home, but our men's uh, trip, uh, the Trailblaze trip, here's a picture of uh, one of the sites near our, our campsite. This was just, you know, like you could easily throw a rock and hit the stream from where we were camping. It's a beautiful site, as you can see. What this reminds you of when you, when you camp in a setting like this, is all night long, 24-7, you know what you're hearing? The gurgling of the stream. And if you do this, that's all you hear. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's replenishing to the soul. If that's not enough, there's another picture. Some of us that went on a hike, not everybody went on a hike, but there's uh, one, one photo just... One of those scenic settings that Wesley was alluding to. You know, we hiked up to this spot and just beautiful vistas. And it's just like everywhere you turn, you're walking in a, in a postcard. And the combination of the beauty and the stillness, the solitude, it just replenishes the soul. And it's, when you're there, you're just reminded. It's like, this is not my normal life. And in some way that is not fully intellectual and rational, it feeds the soul. It does. Because we were made, we were made to engage in regular solitude and stillness and quiet before our loving Heavenly Father. Hopefully some more of you guys will join us next year. It was a great trip for, our, for the guys who went. Uh, there were six of us who went this year, which was perfect for figuring out all the details of our trip. And next year, there are more of you that would love this experience, I guarantee you just would. So talk to any of us who were on the trip. But here's my point in this. Stillness has always been the key to good communication with God. 
And there are periodic moments of stillness like this. But God's looking for a kind of stillness to grow in our souls that is everywhere present always. That's really what He wants in us. Now, some of us know this, but all of us need to be periodically reminded of this because of the noise, the distractions that surround us. And so for the next few minutes, what I want to do is just remind us. I want to illustrate from Scripture. I want to challenge you in this regard because I know some of you have built stillness into your life, but I also know that if you're like me, sometimes it drifts. And some of us have never built stillness into our lives. We just go through a life filled with noise. But I want you to see the importance of this. You know, in the Old Testament, when Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep in the mountains, you remember what happened during a time of stillness, a moment of quiet and solitude? Remember what happened? It was there that he noticed what? A burning bush. A bush that was on fire, that wasn't what the unusual part was. What was unusual was it was burning and what? Didn't burn up. That was the shocking part. That's what got his attention. It was in that moment of quiet that God spoke to him. We could talk about the Apostle Peter who, to escape the distractions of other people in his house, went up on his flat roof alone to pray, and not only did God hear his needs, but he, Peter, heard God speak about the needs of another man, Cornelius. No quiet. He didn't have quiet in his life. Guess what? He went and heard God speak. He had some stillness. He'd, he'd set aside a window of time, a place to go be still before the Lord, and he was quiet enough to hear God speak. Now, I could go on and on with instances like these. The Scriptures are literally full of accounts of ordinary people like these and like us hearing messages from God during moments of solitude, stillness, prayer. Stillness has always been the key to communication with God. And so when was the last time, I need to ask you, when was the last time you stopped all activity, quieted your mind, zipped your lips, stilled your heart, and you were just quiet. No distractions. When do you turn off the TV? When do you turn off your cell phone? When do you listen to nothing louder than the wind or a stream or your refrigerator's hum? When do you turn off the treadmill of your mind? When do you shut out Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and Snapchat that are quick to suggest to you what you should be thinking about and buying, right? When do you shut all that out? When do you shut out the latest drama that's become news in our generation? When do you intentionally get away from your kids, the office, your to-do list, and you're just still, you're just silent? You're just unrushed for a moment. The truth about most of us is we like the idea of stillness, but we actually prefer activity, noise. It's more entertaining. It's what we like. And so what we think to ourselves, 
okay, I'll be still, but it's got to be done in a hurry. That's how we think, you know? I got to do it fast. You got to remember that most of the people in the Bible who had vibrant prayer lives, who, who seemed to periodically hear a word from God in some manner, they had personally cultivated a still heart, a quiet mind, an open spirit before God. They had set aside time in their schedules, routine time, for stillness. Many years ago, it occurred to me, early in, early in my ministry, when Lori and I were, were much younger, I just, I just knew if I ever wanted to hear a word from God, if I ever wanted to hear whatever God wanted to say to me, um, I ever wanted to learn to pray somewhat better because I was not good at prayer then. And I still am challenged by it at this stage of my life, but I'm, I'm better today than I was back then. But I just thought if I'm ever going to get better at these things, I was going to have to quiet my mind, my heart, my life. I had to slow down. I had to be still. Hear me. I had to value what God values which is stillness. I had to learn to do that. Even though it was unnatural to me, it had to become more natural. It had to become more a part of who I am. And even though it was challenging, years ago I started developing two important spiritual habits. And for the next couple of minutes, what I want to do is share those with you. And uh, I, I know they've helped me. I really believe that they will help you. They're biblical habits. And I think when you and I cultivate them, you just say it this way. You're more likely to one of these days hear a word from God. And let me just say, some of us avoid these habits because there's something inside of us that knows I might hear a word from God if I slowed down and get quiet. And we're nervous about that. But let me just say... Um, Nothing more replenishing will happen in your life than hearing from God. It's what will give you peace, confidence, hope during pandemics, during crises with your family, during health issues, during career and job issues. You think you're going to find peace through a whole lot of other things, but the truth of the matter is what you and I most of the time need, we just need to slow down and we need a word from God. So he can fill the, the empty space, the vacuum that's inside of each of us. So for the next couple of minutes, I just want to highlight these two habits. Maybe you've cultivated them at some point in time in your life, and this morning what God wants to do is just say, hey, 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 you've drifted call you back. And maybe for some of you, it's the very first time you thought about doing this. My encouragement is just listen close and hope you'll put into practice what we talk about. The first habit that I would commend to you that was just not easy for me was to make stillness a daily discipline. Just make it a daily discipline. We, we have to think like this. Let me just illustrate it this way. Just as a regular workout routine will develop and maintain physical fitness. We, we've all figured that out, right? I mean, sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't. But in our minds, in our hearts, we know that a regular workout team's routine is what it's going to take to develop and maintain physical fitness. Well, just like that happens, 
Setting aside a regular portion of your day for quiet solitude and reflection is key to helping you and me grow more comfortable being still and becoming more solid, faith-filled people of prayer, people of God. It's just important. We've got to make it a routine, part of our lives. So let me encourage you to set aside a minimum, hear me on this, a minimum of 30 minutes, 30 unrushed, quiet, people-free minutes a day for solitude, for stillness, for prayer, Maybe you need to make it electronics-free because you're addicted. You're on the leash of your phone or your computer or something else. You just need, you just need to make... You know, sometimes we've, we've been doing the... Uh, how many of you have been doing the reading thing that we've been doing uh, this year? So a number of you. That's, that's fantastic. Hope you'll pick... Maybe, maybe you started and you've kind of drifted off. Now's a great time to re-engage because uh, it, it goes down into October sometimes. So, and then we'll probably start something else. But... Um, I encourage you, jump in there. We've got information back on the information table about that. But <clears throat> for me, occasionally, it's annoying to me because it's all on my phone. It's like app-driven, you know. And you, you know why it's annoying to me? Because I'll be reading this, and then somebody wants to text me a goofy picture, you know, or somebody wants, you know, this kind of thing happens. And it just happens to be the time when I'm reading you know, my Bible on my phone. And so, you know what I do about that sometimes? When that gets annoying, I just look at the verse, what it's going to be, set the phone over here on airplane mode, and then I open my Bible, my real Bible, where the words can't be changed by the app people, you know, or the real Bible, and I read the real written words there, and... It, you know, then go back and like journal my little thoughts or reflections or whatever. Why would I do that? Again, it's just, it's, it's like we need still uninterrupted, unrushed, quiet in our lives where we don't have all the bombardment of noise and thoughts and opinions and misinformation that's characteristic of our times. We, we need truth. We need the presence of God. We need a word from him. Some of you think to yourself, that sounds really good, Greg, for you. You're, you're a pastor. This is what you do, right? I would expect you to do that or more. But what about me? What about me? Let me just say, we could parade a bunch of you up here giving testimonies. This is what you do, and it's not your profession. And I can tell you a lot of pastors that don't do this, okay? I'm not saying that's acceptable, but I'm just saying it happens because we're people too. I get distracted just like you. I have to make it a part of my life. This is part of who I am, not what I do for my job. You know what I'm saying? You with me? You know, any pastor who does this because it's part of his job has a problem. Okay? You do this because this is who you are. So, I just want you to know, I mean, we can all do this. You may have not figured out how to pull it off yet with your schedule, but I want to assure you, you can do it. And I want you to think about Jesus' life for just a moment. Jesus practiced the discipline of stillness in spite of his extremely busy, chaotic life. 
Crowds followed him everywhere he went. Daily he preached and taught and healed. I mean, think of this. He was just he had a parade of needy people behind him everywhere he went. They had questions with life and death consequences associated with him. And he had people who had physical needs from which they're going to die because they're bringing the worst of the worst to him who need help. And this is, this is his deal. His 12 disciples on top of that were tagging along with him almost constantly, 24 hours a day. No let up. But do you remember what Jesus' routine practice was? Mark 1.35 gives us a glimpse of it where it says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I mean, he found quiet. So what he did? It didn't easily present itself to him. He had to go find it. And you and I can too. Times of solitude and stillness were so important to Jesus that even he had to commonly get up well before everyone else so he could pour his heart out to the Father and hear words of encouragement and direction and counsel from his heavenly Father. I don't know about the dynamics of your life, but in mine, my attention is like all over the place. The truth of the matter is we talk about how some people in our day are ADD. We're all ADD, all of us. We're just talking degrees of ADD in our culture. This is really what it is. We're all distracted. We all have attention deficit disorder. Our phone is cultivated, has trained us this way. It's just, it's just a part of life. And I've learned that if I want to hear a word from God, and if, if I wait until late in the day to do that, what happens to me is when I sit down to pray late in the day, this is, this is what happens to me. That's, that's what happens. Any of you identify? This is, this is what happens. So many years ago, even though I wasn't really a morning person, I've talked to you some, some of you about this in the past, I, I decided that I was going to have to train myself to become a morning person. It didn't happen natural for me. It wasn't going to happen natural for me. I just decided back then that I was going to have to train myself to get up at least a full hour before everybody else in our home so I could spend the first hour of my day in solitude, in silence, reading my Bible, praying, listening to God, just in the off chance he had anything he might want to say to me on that day. Because I knew if I didn't hear him then, it was like the rest of the day, it was a roll of the dice, whether I was going to hear or not, because that's just the way my brain was. So I quickly discovered, as I started trying to become a morning person, trying to get up earlier, that my alarm clock was insufficient motivation to wake me up an hour earlier than I normally got up. It, ju it just didn't. Maybe, maybe you're different, but it didn't motivate me to get up that early. Every morning in the dark, my alarm clock would start blurring. I would unconsciously reach over and turn it off. Somehow, I didn't hit snooze because that would disturb me later. I turned it off. I just turned it off. That was what I did. And I, I can't say that I was fully conscious of what I was doing, but that's what I did. 
So I tried at that point thinking, I, I've got to become a morning person. What do I do? I moved the clock across the room in our bedroom. I moved it across the room. Lori remembers these, remembers these days fondly. I moved it across the room, and I thought, I, now I have to get out of bed to go turn it off. And you, know, you turn the volume up as loud as it'll go and all that. And that's what I did. Well, uh, next morning, somehow I could stumble out of bed and go over there and turn that thing off and go back to bed and not miss a beat. That's what I did the next morning. I thought, so even that's not sufficient. So I quickly realized that drastic measures were going to be necessary. I went to a local hardware store. I bought one of those plug-in light timers. You know what I'm talking about. When people go on vacation, they buy the light timers. It's, this is old school. Now they do them digitally, and you, know, you can do it through your apps and all this kind of bit. I, this is like the old mechanical thing. You stick it in the wall, you plug the thing in it, and you turn your light on, and then it goes around the clock, and it clicks on and clicks off. And so I got one of these and uh, set it, again, the light kind of across the room so that when it went off, uh, it would be noticed. I set that little light timer about two minutes after my alarm clock, and the alarm clock was over here, the light was over here. I'm going to have to go from here to here, and I'm, I, you know, it's just going to be this whole thing. Next morning, uh, when I unconsciously turned off the alarm, a couple of minutes later, that bright light lit up the whole room like it was, you know, a surgical suite or something. There was light everywhere. And, you know, I had to get up. I had to get up. Lori was going to kill me if I didn't get up, right? That was, that was a scenario. The point is that in the months that followed, as this routine continued, and eventually I was able to move the, the light further away, and eventually I got to where I could make you stop with the light. I, the, the alarm started working. And, and then eventually I've gotten to the point where my watch alarm now works. And much of the time, I wake up before the watch alarm anymore. What is the point? Point is, is that in the months that followed, stillness eventually became a daily discipline for me. And it, I, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm energetic enough over the years that if it'll work for me, it'll work for you. It will work for you. And because of that, praying and reading my Bible and listening to God in the morning to see if he has anything that he might want to say to me, it's, it's become a habit. And some of the sweetest moments of my life have been some of those early morning prayer times or Bible reading times when God, for whatever reason, that morning whispered something to me. And I just had that sense of like, you know, that thought didn't come from me. It's too sweet. It's too kind. It's too loving. It's too virtuous. It's, it's not me. So really, I plead with you if you've not done this. I plead with you. Make stillness a daily discipline. Your life will be blessed if you do that. There'll be encouragement, advice, direction, redirection. The name of a person that you need to reach out to. or There'll be something that happens in that time that God will do that will replenish your soul in ways that no amount of entertainment, 
no amount of alcohol, no amount of pick your substance, whatever, no amount of anything else will fill. Only God, only God can fill that. There's one more habit that I learned back in those days that I would recommend to you. If you want to hear more of what God might want to say specifically to you, then during the morning when you're praying and reading your Bible, instead of just talking all the time, which I was really good at back in my younger days. I, I could talk a lot. I can still talk a lot, you know. So, um, but I learned to ask God some questions instead of just talking on and on. And then the key is, if you ask God a question, for me, it was shut up. It's like, ask it and then be quiet. You know, don't just keep paraphrasing the question and go dribbling on, you know, just kind of ask the question and then be quiet, be still, and listen, see what comes to mind. And so as I started experimenting with this years ago, I'd have a little notepad, and I still have a notepad uh, and several books, right, where I do this every morning. Lori, Lori likes some of the books to go away on occasion because they pile up and then I, anyway. So I've got my little notepad there, and I started trying to ask God questions like, you know, what's the next step in my character development? What, what do I need to focus on next, Lord? And then shut up. Just see what things start coming to mind. How can I enhance my relationship with my wife? In my case, you know, how, how can I bless Lori? Is there anything that she needs that you know of that I'm, like, oblivious to? What, maybe, is there something I need to pay attention to? Uh, maybe for you, it's your husband, but the question's a good question. Is there anything I need to be aware of with my children, my grandchildren, my friends? Just ask him a question like that and be quiet. See what he brings to mind. Is there anyone or anything that I ought to pay more attention to at work? How can I be, or how can I better get along with a, this person, whoever it is? I mean, that's an important question sometimes because none of us goes through life with flawless relational networks. It just, there's always, there's always friction at times. It just happens, part of life. Lord, how do, how do I make this better? What do I need to do? You know? Is there anyone you'd like me to serve in some way? Anyone you'd like me to encourage? And if he brings someone to mind, what would you want me to say? How, how would I encourage that person? I think most of us need to be asking in our quiet times like that with God, is there anything I need to do differently to stay loving in our negative, critical world? That's a very important question right now. Probably continue to be an important question for all of us. Now, some of you may think to yourselves, well, God maybe does care about those things, but I don't know if he cares enough to tell me about that. Of course he does. Of course he cares that much. I mean, if he cares enough about you to die on a cross, okay, to be nailed to a cross as punishment for your sins, what would make you think, who would make you think that he doesn't want to communicate with you. Do you see what I'm saying here? Of course he wants to communicate with you. 
He wants a relationship with you that's more vibrant and vital and meaningful than, than you want with him. And he's already proven it. He's just waiting for you and me to value what he values. He wants us to be still so that one day we'll know that he really is God. He really is. Yeah, I can't say that I've ever heard God audibly speak. I have to say, though, that often when I ask the kinds of questions I was just describing um, and then just sit there silently, specific, practical, Christ-like kinds of ideas start coming to mind. And part of how I know that they're from him and not me is that when I analyze the idea, I, it's, there's just a quality to them that you go, that's a really good idea. And that's, that's smarter than I'm capable of, you know? I'm capable of some things, but I am, I'm not that good. Or I haven't thought about that person in forever. You reach out to them, you do what God prompts you to do, you know, and, and lo and behold, it, it's at a perfect moment for them. Just a perfect moment. You couldn't have scripted it better. Um, I was surprised that God did really care about some of this stuff back in the day until I remembered what Jesus said. He says these words in Matthew 7 and, uh, 7 and following. He says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, just get this. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Do you give them a rock instead? Is that what you do? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people... That's all of us. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who, by the way, is virtuous beyond comprehension, is the contrast here. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? The Bible even adds in James 1.5 that if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He's not going to slap your hand. He's not going to criticize you. He's not going to look down on you. There's nothing that God cares more about in this world than you and me becoming more like Jesus and people who don't know him discovering Jesus through us in his will being done in every sphere of our world. That's, that's really what he's all about. So don't be afraid to ask God about next steps for your character or your kids or his role in your life or whatever. Ask God, and whatever you ask of the Lord, if you're humble, if you're patient, if you're still before him, you'll find that some of those quiet moments in God's presence will become incredibly precious moments that you'll never forget. And they're way more practical 
than you might have thought. You know, most of my good ideas, good ideas, you know, we all like to, we have a list of things that we all think, oh, that was a good idea I had. Most of my good ideas on a personal level, maybe in ministry, including the decision to start this church when Lori and I started this. And most of my good ideas, like even this series that we just started today, these kinds of things come about not because I stare at what are other preachers preaching, you know? Because let me just say, there's a lot of preachers that that's what they do. What they do. But who is the head of the church? Tell me. God or Jesus? Either answer is right because it's both the same. Okay? Jesus, the head of the church. Whose opinion matters in all of these things? His. His. Doesn't that just stand to reason that like, if we're going to lead in some capacity or teach in some capacity or you know, shepherd others in some capacity, and you know, if I'm going to parent well, if I'm going to fulfill God's will on earth and so that it's such a way that it's done here like it's done in heaven, doesn't it make sense that we have to migrate away from what do I think in the and move in the direction of what does God think? I mean, is, do you follow? This is, this is how we have to think. And the truth is, most of my good ideas come from these quiet moments where I sit and I'm prompted, and then I reflect on it. And here's what I'll say. You have to pay attention to what comes to your mind, because as you open up to hearing from God, guess what? You, you spend some time trying to figure out, okay, well, what's me? What's the voice of the Holy Spirit? And what's the voice of maybe some other spirit trying to creep in and steer me off. You, you with me? This happens. This is what this book is for and also what next week is for. So I hope that you'll join us again next week. We'll talk more about that. But for this morning's sake, I just want to say nothing will inspire your spiritual life more than hearing God whisper a word to you. And the key to that happening the key to that happening is stillness. Stillness. So I, I want to add this thought. You say, well, you know, I can't, I, I, I can't, my, my work is never still, and I've got kids with, you know, all day long, and they're just like yanking on me and stuff, and how do I, how do, how do I, I need to hear a word from God, yes, in the morning, but how do I hear him later? Let me just say this. Um, if you learn to hear his voice in stillness, here's the little secret. After you've become comfortable and routine at that, you learn the quality, the, the nature of his voice. Guess what? You start learning how to hear his voice in a crowd. But you'll never hear his voice in a crowd first. You, you'll learn to hear his whisper wherever you go. But it starts in stillness, you and him alone. Illustrated this in years gone by, I could think of how I would take the boys to the mall when Lori was, when they were all younger and Lori like needed a break. And we'd walk around Oak Park Mall and 
some evenings there'd just be just crowds and crazy crowds of people and both my boys would kind of wander off a little bit sometimes. And uh, you know, nowadays they're on leashes and all, you know. <laughs> As like when I was a kid, you know, we'd ride bikes for miles away, and mom and dad had no clue where we were, and they honestly didn't care. And you know, maybe he'll come back, maybe not. I don't know. Was, you know, they're, they're, anyway. But, you know, our, our boys wander off a little bit, and, and I could remember it was this interesting thing. You know, they could be in a crowd of people wandering around looking at stuff, and I'd be, you know, as far away as the back row here, and I could, I could holler, hey, Joe! Hey, Josh, I, I mean, I didn't have to shout so loud for the whole mall to hear me. I just raised my voice a little bit louder, call their name, and, and what would happen? This is predictable, right? They'd turn around. Why would that happen? They're familiar with my voice. They knew Dad's tone. And if I start inserting middle names, you know, they know. They know what that means. What's the point? The point is, is that when it comes to God and hearing God, when you and I begin with stillness and kind of privacy, you and you know, me and God, you and God, you get to where you learn the tone and the spirit of his voice. And eventually, even in a crowded, chaotic setting, you get to where you can hear him. You'll hear his whisper then. But it begins in stillness. Privacy. So I want to ask you, as I wrap up, what's it going to take for you to make stillness a habit in your life or a habit again in your life? Maybe you need to reestablish it. What changes in your schedule or your priorities are required so you can cultivate a still heart, a quiet mind, an open spirit towards God? Maybe you need to realign your priorities some. Maybe you need to say no to some things in your schedule that are even good, but not as good as your private time with God. My hope is that you'll change what needs to be changed if something like this needs to happen. Because those of us who learn to be still discover that God's very real. And that he's intimately acquainted with the details of your life. And he cares. And he has something to say. It's not that he just once said something, but he, the Holy Spirit is alive and capable of speaking. He's not mute. He can speak to you today. So in the days ahead, I just encourage you, lean into being still. I really think it'll remind you that he is God. He promises that in Scripture. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. Uh, before we pray, just want to, you know, any of you who are new today, just want you to know that we're thrilled that you joined us. Glad you made it. Any of you this morning need prayer for uh, some need or some area of your life, come on down afterwards. There are those of us who'd be happy to pray for you. Maybe, maybe some of you need to invite Jesus into your life or you need to arrange to be baptized one of these days. And let us know that as well. We want to help you with that. But uh, just encourage you, take the next steps in your life. It's just really important for you and God. God wants to walk through those steps with you. So let's bow our heads and pray, then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your kindness, your mercy, your gentleness, your humility. I and mean, we just 
Sometimes we think of you, we think of you parting a Red Sea, and certainly that's, that's an amazing thing that you could do, and it's, you could raise the dead as you did, whether it was Lazarus or yourself, Jesus. We're truly awestruck by your power. But we're equally awestruck by the fact that you care about us intimately enough that you want to whisper. You have words of encouragement, advice, hope that you want to whisper to each of us. You have people we want, you want us to, to serve in some way, and you, you, you have a word to say to us about how to do that. And, and you, you have an opinion of what that should be like, and you want to communicate that. And on and on, you, just, you care about so many things. You're just waiting for us to slow down and quiet ourselves enough that we can hear what you have to say. Lord, we just acknowledge this morning that we need you in our lives now more than ever. Would you fill us? Would you show us your mercy? Would you help us to reprioritize our schedules around you? That's the great need of our hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We thank you that you died so that we could live. Would you fill us? Would you make us yours? Would you cleanse us? Help us to walk in your ways. Today and tomorrow and the day after, the rest of our lives, God, that's what we ask for. Now, would you go with us as we leave this place? Help us to put into action the things we've talked about. And we'll thank you for all eternity that you care about us. Go with us now. In the name of Jesus, we lift this prayer. Everybody agreed with me and said... Amen. Bless you all. See you next week.